1: Hi everyone, this is the Man Up Podcast number 156. We're coming to you from various spots around Sugar Land, Texas, just outside Houston, as we continue with social distancing. I'm Steve Titch, I'm filling in for our regular host, Bill Cox, who's recovering from the first of two surgeries he's undergoing. Now he's doing fine and this is not a coronavirus related situation. We hope to have him back with us in a few weeks. In the meantime, Bill, we know you're listening, so get well soon. But while the boss is away, so they say, we are going off script. This week finds us between studies. We'll be starting our deep dive into the book of Daniel next week. But this week, we've got a special edition of our podcast, so to speak. As our focal text, we're going to use chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, of the book of Ecclesiastes. Now no matter what church you attend or how long you've been a believer, I doubt you've ever heard this text preached on. But that's why we're here. We're guys on a spiritual journey and we're not afraid to open the Bible and go to seldom visited passages and unpack them. And and we hope you find some insights as, as we talk as well. Now, just like you have, we here have found the events around the country this week highly unsettling, to say the least. For, now for almost three months, we've been dealing with the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic, which is going to have life-changing implications for most everyone, and as if this weren't enough, The death of George Floyd, an African-American man, at the hands of a white police officer, has brought America's simmering racial issues to a full boil. So here we are in June 2020. Things truly seem to be coming apart at the seams. And this might be the most overt manifestation of a feeling of deep deep, deep discontent that's been in the culture, I think, for years now. So what is our responsibility as Christian men? Is reality broken? Is there meaning to be found? And with me uh, today is our panel. We're all Christians, but we have different backgrounds. Robert Koshu is here, our corporate trainer from a Fortune 100 company. He's our in-house intellectual and theologian. We call him the professor. We've got Michael Cropper, prosecutor. We call him the judge and Kyle Trahan, our deacon from Louisiana, who is topping the insurance sales charts right now. Now, to get things rolling, but before we do the reading, I'm going to go to the professor. Robert, tell us what you've been reading and where it's been
3: taking you. Okay, so um, Steve mentioned I'm part of the talent development world corporate trainers how most people refer to us um this week i'm actually virtual conferencing last year our listeners may remember i dialed in live from the national mall while i was at last year's conference obviously with covid uh we decided to do a virtual conference um part of my specialization i'm actually also a certified gamification designer for designing gamification elements inside of training so that's kind of my side world so Part of what we're doing where I work right now is we're starting to develop game and all the way into having a bunch of virtual reality stuff. And so one of my coworkers loaned me, this is not his copy, my copy of the book, but it's his copy of a book called Reality is Broken by Jane McGonigal. I would highly recommend it. It is fantastic. And I'm reading through the book and the very first part of the book starts out talking about that there are... Seven hundred and seventy-four million gamers in the U.S., people that actually play games on a regular basis. And as I was reading through, I ran across this one quote right here. Satisfying work always starts with two things, a clear goal and an actionable next steps toward achieving that goal. And it kind of had me started thinking about some of the things we've talked about over the past year. And I looked more into it and it said, hey, there are always four traits to any game you're looking at. Every game has a goal, it has rules, it has a feedback system, and it's voluntary participation. She identifies six ways that in reality is broken in relating to a game because games have – reality has unnecessary obstacles and emotional – Attitude to it, uh, more satisfying work, kind of where I got that section from, the quote that kind of got this all started. A bottom hope of success, stronger social connectivity. Yes, games have a social connection, particularly if if you're talking about Farmville, World of Warcraft, Halo, all of those type games are very social and played in groups in general. And then finally, an epic scale to them. So all of that led me to thinking through, as we're looking through all of this, and I texted the group, and we all kind of thought this would be kind of fun, um, was to talk about how work has changed. Steve and I had a a back and forth for a little bit on that, how much work has changed in the 20th century, how much are post-World War II, and then all these other things had me thinking about how different reality is and how it can lead people to a sense of meaningless. Um, one of the headlines today, if no one saw it, one of the headlines today, AMC um, acquired some more debt so they could keep operating. They have AMC uh, Theaters. Yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And their acquiring of debt caused them to list certain disclosures. One of the disclosures is there that they had to put in there to acquire this new debt load is that they are not certain they are ever going to reopen as a business. And so if if you think about it, 75% of the theaters in Houston, guys, I'm just kind of guessing. They're, Steve, them, they're a major got, player. They, they're in Cinemark. But or AMC. AMC. Yeah. And so you're talking about Regal, you know, how the many theaters way. may never reopen at this point. So Steve was talking about life-changing events. Okay, that's a very, very minuscule small piece of this. But you look at all the changes that are going on, then you throw in, and Our church actually has a connection. Our pastor hosted at six o'clock, I had a conference session, but he actually hosted a session with our assistant minister to students, Jamar, who is actually, his family knows the Floyd family. And he's talked about that a little bit. And so, you know, it's just, it is a radically new world we are entering for lack of a better term. And it can cause meaningless. And this will bring up maybe some Maslow's conversation, but really taps into the Ecclesiastes passage. So, and with that, let's go. <laughs> um,
1: we had a few. Would you, Kyle, would you like to read? Do you have your you have your copy of the message, Eugene Peterson's translation, with you? Um, yes. Uh, would you, given your stentorous baritone, would you like to give us? Uh, Peterson's translation, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses one through 11.
0: Man, you know, as, as for me, you know, just, I'm going to throw my little piece in there. You know, I always have trouble with learning some of these and understanding and, and some of the normal translations in IV and you know, what have you, I, I get lost in that translation <laughs> and this one, I don't know. It just speaks a little bit better to me, I guess. All right. So, um, it's labeled the quester. These are the words of the quester, David's son and king in Jerusalem. Smoke, nothing but smoke. That's what the jester says. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. What's there to show for a lifetime of work? A lifetime of working your fingers to the bone. One generation goes its way, the next one arrives. But nothing changes. It's business as usual for old planet Earth. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. And then it does it again and again, the same old round. The wind blows south, the wind blows north. Around and around and around it blows. Blowing this way, then that. The whirling, erratic wind all the rivers flow into the seas but the sea never fills up the rivers keep flowing to the same old place then it starts over and do it again everything everything's boring utterly boring no one can find any meaning in it boring to the eye boring to the ear what was will be again what happened will happen again there's nothing new on this earth. Year after year, it's the same old thing. Does anyone call out, hey, this is new? Don't get excited. It's the same old story. No, no one remembers what happened yesterday. And the things that will happen tomorrow, no one will remember them either. Don't count on being remembered.
4: Boy, this guy is depressed. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, but... This is, and, and you, know, you you know, we point out that this, you know, again, you never, this is why we do this podcast, because this is one of those, you know, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is, is very much like this, simply the introduction. Uh, of course, the famous passage from Ecclesiastes is to everything, there's a season, um, which probably is the most uplifting mm-hmm. section, <laughs> but this is this is this is we have here in the Bible, and, and it's believed, I guess, that that Solomon may have written it. Um, he uh, and keeping the gaming theme, Peterson translates uh, "teacher" as "questor," as the questor says. We have a "teacher" in my NID, but it's it's this idea of, of the Bible even has. Um, these earthly concerns, um, these earthly feelings, these earthly emotions of, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And, you know, is this all there is? And, and so it's, it's not, it's not wrong to feel this way. And it's not wrong to look at the world and say, is this what's going on? Because that's exactly what's going, you know, what's, what's, what's happening here. Uh, Not only this, but throughout Pretty much like the entire um, book of Ecclesiastes. Now it does come to some conclusions, but we're going to stick here because right now I think there are a lot of Christians and a lot of churches privately, you know, privately in this spot. Uh, and know, might not, you know, everything comes right. It just seems it just seems we can't get past the racial issue in this country. Uh, this. Everybody is tired of wearing masks. Uh, we simply want to go out to lunch with our buddies. Uh, we can't. It doesn't, you know, want to go to a ball game. Uh, it is, it is, and, and, we're, and meantime, some of us are out of work. I, I was, you know, a lot of us, you know, unemployment is the highest it's been since the Great Depression, maybe even higher. And, you know, there are a lot of people who may not get their jobs back. The end result may be a major shift in the economy. Already looking at, you know, will we ever go to movies again? Will we ever go to theaters again? Or will we be out of theaters so much that we watch everything on, on Disney Plus? Um, so many things, so many things going on, so much things to worry about, so much change. And um, so I, 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 I'm going to toss it out. What do, you, what do you guys think now? And and where where are you, I guess, I, where are you in your in, in in your head right now? Well, right now I'd just like to
4: mention this. If if someone has not read this or read about the person who wrote this passage, it's Solomon, the son of David. And he's not in his early life, he's a king of Israel, possibly the most the richest king of Israel ever, the smartest one, the most brilliant. Uh he, he had all the wealth you could want, health you want, wisdom you want. Uh, I want to say an attractive wife, but that's actually, he's had a lot more than one. And, <laughs> and, and, and he's and, and, and he, Yes, he thinks these things, all these things will bring you great joy. In fact, if you read the next book to it, uh, The Song of Solomon, he, uh, he has a new wife and that, and he's very happy with her. But that, I guess, after a period of time, that wears out. But the point is, he has everything, folks. He's not the beginning of his life. He's not in the middle of his life. He's probably toward the end of it, and he has been through everything. When he had health, wisdom, attractive wives, wealth, uh, he began to lose a joy. He wanted to look for more satisfaction, so he, in fact, studied other religions and he borrowed those from his wives, with some of his wives. And so we're looking at a guy that has, has everything. He's not a guy that's depressed because he lacks money, lacks health, lacks wisdom, lack knowledge, or got fired from his job. He's a guy that has had it all and doesn't know where to turn, and that did not satisfy him. So I just wanted to mention that. Robert, if you want to take over. No, <laughs> I think Kyle, that's fine. <laughs> he, he had lost his,
0: you know, view of God, you know, so yeah. he he was searching and was essentially lost. As as Steve kind of said, a lot of us are. It's trying to find our new way in this
4: world. Yeah, and it it is it, we are facing this today. I don't know if you've you've been and I uh, I can remember whenever I was very young, I remember people stayed with their jobs and I think Steve and Robert talked about this between themselves. They mentioned 50 to 100 years ago, when you got a job, you stayed with that job. My dad was proud that he worked for the post office for 40 years, 36 years, whatever. Uh, most of our grandparents, when they were farmers, they were proud to be farmers. That nece- did not necessarily fulfill their joy doing the job, but they got their fulfillment got their fulfillment. From doing a good job at whatever they did, whether it was a blacksmith, a plumber, an electrician, uh, you name it, they got their fulfillment with it. Now, today, uh, I think one of the things, that the stark differences is that we're we're encouraged to look for jobs that make us happy. And I, I boy, I think that's off. I, I, I don't know that you're ever going to find a job that's going to make you happy unless you own the company and, uh, and you run it. The, the, uh, there is so much discontentment, uh, I believe, with our generations of young people coming out now that are looking for the perfect job. And in fact, I, I, I hate to say it, my middle daughter was just what she was looking for the perfect job for five years. And, and you may not find the perfect job, folks. You learn to find contentment and joy in what you have and what you are doing, whatever you choose to do.
0: So, uh, yeah. so what I heard is, is that you have to own the business to be happy in your job. Uh, by the way I I own my own business
2: so get <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm that happy, gets a whole of headaches.
0: <laughs> uh, that too. but that's okay. You
2: know.
3: <laughs> But, but if, there are Yeah, yeah. yeah well and, and I was going to say that the statistics show that the average time anyone is at a job anymore is 2 to 3 years.
2: Yeah, At crazy. most. Average, and and actually.
3: Yeah, and actually What's more intriguing, there's some new statistics that show right now that the Gen Z, so that is the generation that was born around 1995, 95, 96, depending Mm -hmm. on who's doing the measuring, they're going to have three to four, not jobs, three to four distinct separate careers in their lifetime.
0: Oh, I guess I fall in that area. Yeah, too. yeah,
3: you have ADD business, so we we talked about mean,
0: that. I have <laughs> probably eight or nine actually. And yeah, uh,
3: I've had so. four, five, I think, if I count correctly.
0: I would have to look at my resume to truly be accurate. Yeah,
3: you know, and and I'm talking about things that I thought I was going to be doing for a long time, not just a I need a job. Let me go work security or grocery store or something like that. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you know, so yeah, but they're they're talking that that is the norm, and as Mike alluded to, that's a big different. I I stayed with one company. I was with AIG for seventeen and a half years before yeah. I left there, and I was very, very, very much odd man out. The fact that I stayed there as long as I did, yeah. You know, and so yeah, it, it, it's finding that, but it's also, like Mike said, the recognition, and, and, and she talks and there were some great sentences in this book that were just hilarious, not hilarious, but I thought was really interesting. So compared with games, reality is depressing because games focus our energy with relentless optimism on something we're good at and enjoy.
4: Robert, tell us about the games. What is the author alluding to? Are we talking about Monopoly or generally
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it, oh. It, she, Seriously? Ta- yes. She she's talking about all kinds of games. Monopoly, okay. you know, what we consider board games. Steve's okay. favorite kind of games, carding, you know, cards and others, as well okay. as as virtual games or okay. online games. Now the virtual reality stuff is insane. I have put I have worn equipment. That basically, if I go to lift up a, if I'm wearing gloves and all the other good junk with the goggles and all that, and if I go to pick up something, it feels like the weight of that. They use pieces to squeeze you and do whatever. They've got other suits now that actually, if you go outside, the temperature of the suit will rise up and start making you hot. <laughs> okay. Because, so they're really doing that. So she's talking about really, but it's all games because... Games and the premise. I am admittedly one fourth of the way through the book at this point. Um But Do, does she say what she's alluding to?
4: And and you brought this up. Re, mm-hmm. Reality is broken. So so we step into a fantasy world. What is? Have you? The, the have you reality is. That that it, yet? Does she does she clarify that yet? In the first hadn't got that earth?
3: far in. Kind of the premise that it that it's leading to is. From what I've read in the because like I said, I'm only about a fourth of the way through the yep. premise that it's getting to is that, that is reality broken. That's up for debate. Can reality cause us to lose meaning in our lives? Yes. There are things we can learn from games that help us do that. Now I'm going to take it a bit further than that because I'm a Christian too. So I always pair this up with Maslow. So Maslow is um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but I also go with, uh, oh my gosh, Steve talked for a minute and I'm going to co- come up with the guy's oh. name, Victor Frankel. Oh. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> I we, always we
1: had a speech <laughs> about man's search for meaning in college, right. that's who we went to, not not the game design
3: yeah, I yeah. <laughs> and, and, and no 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 and, and thank you i was just, it was one of those no Maslow's not the right one that's the hierarchy of needs but the hierarchy of needs comes into play here now too because now we're looking at a world where people are worried about their income right okay okay and their health right first two things you got to have for maslow is a place to you got to be healthy and you got to have a place to live <laughs>
1: right You know,
3: and those are the two big, and then you got to feel safe. Okay, um, I turned on the TV and saw riots in New York City, burning cars and doing things. That does not instill a feeling of safety in me as I look at it. And so, but Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about, he was a concentration camp survivor, and that's where he formulated a lot of his theories. He found that the ones who could, survive in the concentration camp were the ones who could look beyond that moment in the concentration camp. And McGonical's theory at this point that I picked up, I said, fourth of the way through the book, is that that there are things inside the games that if we adopt those same attitudes, then we can move forward with life and not get wrapped up in how meaningless all of this is, as Kyle read. And and I by the way, the word smoke in the Phillips translation is meaningless. And if you think about it, when you think of smoke, other than it gets in your eyes and it makes my meat taste fantastic, by the way, um, what is smoke good for?
0: And pleasing to the Lord.
3: Yes. But, but. Yes. Yeah.
1: I, I, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a great, <laughs> I think it really makes that whole passage contemporary because all we've got going around us, Smoke, you know, you, fly, you can't, you can't see anything. It's just distraction, um, uh, lack smoke. of clarity. I know we talk. It's smoke. gets, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's oh, part of the, the term, We go smoke and mirrors. It's all, you know, <laughs> it's all, you know, you got media, you got, you got, uh, uh, you got social media, you got, you got the, the, the news media, you got uh, people screaming in your face. You got everything smoke, nothing you know you want. I think that's that's one of the big things we talked about last week. Lord, open my eyes, let me see. Uh, So much, so much smoke. I
2: think.
1: Oh, go ahead, ahead. Robert. You got more? No, no, go ahead, Steve. Um, All right. Well, anyway, with on that note, (laughs) on that note, we're going to take a break, uh, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Man Up. Uh, looking at uh, Ecclesiastes, at least that's our, our jump off point, uh, chapter one, verses one through eleven, everything is meaningless, or everything is smoke, as Peterson, Eugene Peterson translated it, and we're connecting that to the question of whether reality is broken, it certainly seems to be right now, and Robert's been looking at uh uh, work by Jane McGonigal, who's an author and uh, an expert at, in gamification. Her uh, book is is, Real- is reality is broken. And there's, if you if you Google her or search her on YouTube, there's a number of TED talks where she talks about this. She's been doing this for some ten years. But what I want to throw in here, uh, <laughs> and Robert, I'm so glad because you're a youth teacher. Uh, you know, I, and as a parent, I've gone to uh, a whole lot of these, these classes and courses of how to raise your Christian child, and their discussion, I have never heard one good thing said about video games. There, in fact, most parents think it's best if they, I'm saying most, many Christian parents believe they should never let their kid near one. I'm, I'm not that quite um, Strict about it. I think we have things like Minecraft. It's a lot of things. Minecraft is very constructive. I mean, it falls very much into James- uh, Farmville. Model Farmville. <laughs> but here, here you are. Here we are. A, a bunch of Christian guys saying there is value in gaming. So let's let's work on that and how that might counter some of these ennui. We could call it boredom. The the hopelessness. The sense of the sense of meaningless or the lack of purpose we have in the real world, how can we take gaming and and, and what we learn there and apply it to, um, and apply it to, you know, basically to okay. get past this feeling of meaningless we have, you know,
3: in our real world, in the re- reality. So let me start out with, real quick, and then bounce, I'm going to just level set a couple of things mm-hmm. since I teach youth and then we can bounce to the other guys and I'll come back. So first of all, and since I've also raised two teenage boys, um, is there a problem with video games in general? All things in moderation is the right way to put that, I guess. Is there a problem with Grand Theft Auto where I'm going to go around and steal cars and shoot people for no reason? And, and I want you to notice how I said that, no reason. Basically, vice and go pick up hookers and all that. Yeah, I got a problem with that game actually. Yeah. Um,
0: my wife bought my uh, nephew that game when he was 13. And so <laughs> with it, it was on his list.
3: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you
0: really didn't know.
3: Didn't understand.
0: Now, <laughs> you know, that's 20 years ago or whatever. He's 30-something now.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: And then you really started watching the game, and I played it with him. I had no real clue. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it was a
1: total shock
0: that who won.
2: That. <laughs> you know, we,
0: we, we played what you know, Mario Brothers, and you know some some other things. It was not that sophisticated, where senseless violence and stuff like that. That it just it, it's like most TV and and movies today, senseless cursing. It's just written into the script just to do it
3: have to have their certain quota of f-bombs in the movie yes you know yeah so and and i always compare it to movies so and great cinematography interesting all of that kill bill volumes one and two it is praised as a fantastic wonderful movie with all that that entails I personally think it's garbage. It's gratuitous violence to the extreme compared to the passion of the Christ, which is derided as, Oh my God, that's horrible. I can't (laughs) believe it was that bloody. And Oh my God, that was just so brutal in this depiction and all of that. That told a story. It was a true story. You want to get another true story that's very comparison when you look at it um, Saving Private Ryan. Anybody who watches the first fifteen minutes of Saving Private Ryan, the landing on Omaha Beach—it no. was called Bloody Omaha on D-Day for a reason—is that violent? Yeah, big time violent. It's reality. Yes, right. It's really but, what happened. So, you know. and I think I think you have to look at it in three ways. There's. Violence that's reality-based, Saving Private Ryan, Passion of the Christ. Violence that, in my mind, is fantasy. And I'm a Marvel guy. I like the Marvel movies. So the Avengers, you know, are those violent? Yeah, they beat up the guys a lot. <laughs> so, and then gratuitous. Yeah,
4: nobody cussed, either.
3: Nobody cussed yeah. it. I'm sorry to interrupt you on that. I so said, no,
4: there was no yeah, very little movies right sorry to interrupt yeah very
3: very little very little in the avengers matter of fact it's kind of a joke about it at one point yeah and then versus the gratuitous violence where it's just violence for violence that's not based in any reality and so but it's it's pictured in the real world but it's not based in reality marvel looks like it's the real world but i don't think people have a hard time distancing themselves from that that's There's a fantasy element there that I can put myself into. Now, that being said, and all this, and I want to pass it around a little bit, is I think it's everything in moderation. We used to have dad's role when my kids were here, and they had a, uh, I think they had a Sony PlayStation 2 at that moment, and somebody got them a copy of Jet Fighter 4, um, take off from the aircraft carrier, go shoot planes down, and I went through the expense of purchasing myself, uh, I can't do the thumb pad thing like everybody does nowadays. I'm not that coordinated. I need like an old school joystick. So I went and purchased an actual flight control stick for the PlayStation for Jet Fighter 4. And we had dad's rule. Dad's rule was if dad came in and dad had had one of those days at work, I got Jet Fighter 4 for 15 minutes when I walked in the door (laughs) (laughs) to kind of escape and go away and it and and that's kind of what she's alluding to that we have to learn not maybe to take ourselves so seriously all the time a little bit you know and i think that's where games can really help us with things is that it can do that so with that pass it around a little bit you know games your way yeah.
4: of life oh go ahead kyle
3: go
0: ahead one, one of the things you hit on earlier uh Robert, that, uh, you know, so in this passage, just to bring it back to, to the story mm-hmm. here, you know, he, he was, in my opinion, he was depressed. <clears throat> he had lost his sight of God. I think Mike said it earlier that, you know, with, with his various wives and everything he had adopted other practices and, and got himself off center, you know, and, and one of the ways to get past that depression and hopeless feeling, you know, it's, it's all smoke there. There's nothing else, this cruel old world, you know, it all just comes crushing down on me is we have to have the bigger picture mindset. Um, you know, in my business, it's one of the first things that we we tell you is you, you're gonna, it's going to take some time to, get yourself established. And if you can see yourself projected, you know, uh, same thing. Most of the people, when you go and interview, say, well, where do you see yourself in five years? You know? And it's, it's that, it's that concept though, to, to see past depression, to see past your immediate scenario. I lost my job, you know, um, whatever that is, you know, I, I, know people's, uh, struggles right now through this COVID thing are, are, are very serious and, and, and extremely tragic. But if you can look past that, you know, um, and I, it, it, to put it to reality, I've been in that scenario, not in COVID, uh, but where you don't know where you're paying your bills from, you know, mm-hmm. I've been there in life. So I, I know the struggle. Uh, Not this exact one, but, you know, now I'm looking where, even in my struggles, where is God trying to bring me to? And that may be a one week scenario or a 10 year or a lifetime scenario. Some people, it's always that strive to get to the next stage that God's trying to bring them to. And, and so I, I think getting past some of this is that forward thinking. And by the way, I just want to break out. I know nobody other than the panel can see me. I did wear my pink just for Bill. No, he's recovering. I know it'll bring him joy.
4: <laughs> well,
3: I, I did notice that.
4: <laughs> yeah, games are a way of life. Um, I'm going to read a quote from. Uh, from Jane McGonigal. She says a game is an opportunity to focus our energy with relentless optimism. at something we are good at and enjoy. In other words, gameplay is the directional or the direct emotional opposite of depression. Now, I'm going to pick out something right there. She says it's something we can focus at that we're good at and we enjoy. Well, suppose you're playing a game and you're not good at it. You're going to lose. So, there's two parts to
1: every game, by well, the way. You either, you either get better or you, you don't play. I mean, that's really what, that's right. that's what, right. what comes down. I was yeah, if you don't like that. the
4: game, don't play, right? Mm-hmm.
0: I was just writing that same thing, mm-hmm. is that you strive to get better. And if you realize that you absolutely stink. I was talking to somebody earlier today that was talking about sports. And he said, right. I stink at sports. I know it. I'm not going to do it, but he may be great at a game on a video game or whatever. But yeah. we generally strive to get better, to get to that next level, to, to, to move forward, not to just stay on that same little thing you've seen every time.
4: Yeah. Well, games are way of life. Uh, ever since we're two years old, three years old, we're handed a puzzle and mm. asked to solve it. <laughs> and that is a form of a game. I read about that. I looked that up after you talked mm-hmm. about what we're going to talk today. Uh, so we teach our young children it's it's not only coordination with their hands but it's also coordination with their mind and a processing a certain certain objects that they see their vision as well. We begin at an early age teaching them puzzles where round hole. <laughs> Well, that's I always had problems. You're getting ahead of me. The blind (laughs) person can play the. I was going to say, even blind people can play a game. A square Mm -hmm. peg goes in a square hole, right? Which is what you just said, uh, Kyle. There's always hope for some some form, even if you are not able to see. But anyway, uh, uh, so a puzzle game or a toy that tests a person's ingenuity or, or knowledge, depending on whether you have five pieces to it for a two-year-old or you have 5,000 pieces to it for an adult. And uh, a blind person, as I said, can play a game. Even a blind person can play a game. Now, rest, we look at games for a sense of rest or relaxation. Uh, and, and believe it or not, guys, you, while you were, you were talking about the various games and you said virtual games, Robert, uh, took that from the book, one of the things she points out, uh, my fiance and I have been playing Mario Kart the last three or four Saturdays. Yes. She never <laughs> played it before. She has never played a digital or electronic game on a TV. Never did. And she loves it. The first first 15 minutes, she hated it. She wanted <laughs> to throw the, uh, the controller through the screen, but <clears throat> the more she was able to can't control the little cars, she started enjoying it thoroughly. So... What 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 can again? This can bring relaxation to you from work, relaxation to you by taking your mind off work. And by the way, many of our our work. I, I look at our work as being games. Robert, I know you have to solve situations where you train your people. I have to prepare for a trial, and I have to look at a strategy, a strategy, and how I'm going to win it, and I have to put the building pieces together and puzzles. And even though those are games somewhat and war games, Steve, you brought that up. Great, 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 great point. Our military often plays games strategy wise, especially with saving and private, and right? When we saw the first set, they play games before they go to war, they will strategize at how they're going to win it. Now, the, the question is, one game that I play at work couldn't be, could be a trial. And by the way, in law school, we also play games. Y'all have heard of mock trials. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we play the games, but you're not, I'm not going to come home and play a trial game to rest or relax. And Robert, I believe you were pointing that out, which is, which is very, <laughs> yeah. very true, right? Mm-hmm. All of us will play a different game when we get home to take our mind off our job. And, and, and Even Steve, you're right. Putting together a good paper or whatever whatever you do, presentation can be a game. It takes Use, right well, using actually, your language. Yeah. Right? Do,
1: do you know? I'm. I'm you. you cultivate back in my my days when I was was, you know, I, my early jobs as a reporter and editor. Uh, we would feel you know we'd get we'd get stories in literally on the wire. Right something that doesn't exist anymore basically they you know they, they, they you do, you do, now do, now you know comes in by and, and and it'd be from it'd be from you know we had a we had a, we had a famous we had a our our man our man in paris this was at this was an a long publication what's called electronic news our man in paris would um basically the the cut through chase my boss at the time uh would would give me this stuff and he'd say it's fun he was it's fun to do because while he could write he couldn't write things in the exact order they should be. So it was a it was a fun cut and paste, find the lead, reorganize his story into something that made more sense than what he filed. Uh, And so yeah it was that was not that was one of the more fun parts of the job. And sometimes that can be a fun job as an editor. When you have a when you have a good writer, or have a good writer, or certainly a good reporter who's good at getting the facts together and and basically taking that and putting together a sharper narrative, that's that's part of the fun job of that. Um, and uh, yeah, and so, but I think that was the point of that that um, kids and even adults who play games. Uh, just as maybe they did before electronics can you know get a representation of the world where at least there are some rules and some consistency and some expectations that uh, that they can learn from and apply in the real world that and and of course I'm sure they they soon enough learn the difference between uh, you know gaming and real life and that things games don't you know games end or they game have a sometimes it takes years to master something in real life or uh, for research or work to come to fruition. But uh, certainly, certainly it's um, uh, there's value there. And I'm glad, I'm glad that's being pointed out and, and, it, and you take it back. It's just game electronic gaming is just another form of gaming. And uh, like you're, like we're saying, I, I, it's a fun story that Kyle had with Grand Theft over at And I remember back, back in my early policy days, we would would work with the Entertainment Software Association. And 20 years ago, people still thought of computer games as kid stuff, which is why there was a disconnect when a game like Grand Theft Auto came out, which was really adult. and really aimed at an adult market. And if you were lucky, you got grandma who didn't know that to get you Game Grand Theft Auto. But uh, that, and, and 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 part of that lobbying and, and education effort was from the Entertainment Software Association was games, computer games are not kids, not all for kids. And that's, that's you know, so there, and I think what's great for kids is Minecraft. Uh, and certainly if you're, if you're, if you have a, you have a teenager now they play with it um i think it's it, it came out uh good 10 maybe more than 10 years ago it started coming out and it's just it's, a, it's what they call a sandbox um if i i shouldn't have to explain to people but if we have older listeners <laughs> um it's it's essentially you you go in and you start building there's a mode where you just build your world Uh, and you can do a whole lot of your, your, your imagination is the, uh, is the limit. And there are now clubs, there are conventions where people bring this software and bring the worlds they've created. And again, look on YouTube, see massive roller coasters, massive worlds. Uh, and what an exercise this is. So, um, and, and again, but again, there's, there's games for kids and games for adults. And just like there are books for kids and books for adults and board games for kids and board games for adults. Right. And and you, you have to make your decisions based on that, not necessarily on a wholesale, uh, you know, good or
3: bad <clears throat> classes it, it, and that's all. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. Now there's augmented reality games, which yeah. is putting augmented things into the real world. Anybody want to make a guess in this group, what the first big augmented reality game was so much so that it was a huge, huge news story for several years. Pokemon, right? Pokemon go. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Where, where literally the city of Sugarland had to put out signs reminding people that the parks closed at 10 PM because they would go there and there would be everywhere from my age down to kids out in the park at 10, 11, 12, 1 a.m. hunting Pokemon in the now,
1: park. Now, it was a thing. That, what was, for those <laughs> nice. of us, I, I know it is, but what, what is, at least as it started, augmented
3: reality? So and, it's putting computer it pieces inside the real world. So you would hold your phone up, and you would see So the park. But in the park, there might be a Pokemon. So Kitty Hollow Park is where my wife and I go walking. It was quite popular for Pokemon hunting because there's a lake in Kitty Hollow Park. (laughs) And so if you needed a water Pokemon, you had to go there to find the water Pokemon. So much so that how they paid for the game, businesses would pay for gyms, and you can only do battle when your Pokemons would fight each other, blah, blah, blah. You can only do that in gyms. So stores like McDonald's and them would pay to be a gym so people could play Pokemon while they were sitting in the store, basically.
0: I, well, I love the fact that you use the my wife and I walk as a ruse that
3: I do when, not have. Pokemon. We oh, put oh, the know. smoke screen, <laughs> yeah. the oh. <laughs> that that is that one I, have. I I have literally not played it. I walked with one of my children playing it one time because I did want to understand it because. I saw training implications for it. One of the things we're doing augmented reality training wise is, and we're working on a tool right now where somebody can go up to one of our pieces, of equipment, hold their phone up to it. And their phone matches the equipment and they tap and it will tell them, here's the parts list, here's the instructions on maintenance. And here's all of that has part of their actual piece. So yeah, I've, I've got some augmented reality world in my life right now. <laughs>
0: Well, and I, I would like to also point out that you know Steve said you know let me explain for maybe our older generation about Minecraft. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> would, would you believe that I'm the youngest of the group, and I'm glad he explained it because I had you, know,
1: you don't have kids. <laughs> yeah, kids. You, don't have kids. you don't have kids.
3: The sandbox. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: thinking, you know. It's a litter box for a big cat. Yeah. That's exactly no.
3: right. <laughs> Sandbox is a technical <laughs> term play in programming language to see what you can do. But but it, it it's interesting because as as we uh, I'm guessing it start kind of wrapping this up a little bit. It's interesting because there's meaningless in the world. Games give us a peek into it. But but I think one of the realisms is with this, and, and I, I scrolled through Ecclesiastes a little bit. In chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes, I'm still in the message translation, because I want to keep that the same. 18 through 20, so 518 through 20. After looking at the way things are on this earth, here's what I've decided is the best way to live. Take care of yourself, have a good time, and make the most of whatever job you have for as long as God gives you life. And that's about it, the human lot. Yes, we should make the most of what God gives, both the bounty and the capacity to enjoy it, Accepting what's given and delighting in the work. It's God's gift. God deals out joy in the present than now. It's useless to brood over how long we might live. And I think that is one of the more fantastic messages from a depressed guy. Because where you get in trouble, in my mind, as you, as you start looking, get into the meaninglessness, is you're looking at the future. And guess what, boys and girls? If you didn't realize this before March 16th of this year, the future is unpredictable. <laughs> um, I was supposed to have already, let, let's see, what should I have done now by now that I have not done? I was supposed to have attended the XFL championship game hosted by the Houston Roughnecks, winning the game. That, that's just, that's a little bit of a fantasy, but. It was had, within, they
1: were supposed to go to the championship. It, it was within the realm of possibility. <laughs>
3: they were five and O oh when they were lost, when they lost. Um, I was supposed to have spent a week in Denver at a conference, the last three days of which were my wife and I vacationing in Denver, kind of playing around and having fun in the mountains. Um, our fantastic friends from Dallas were supposed to, we were supposed to have gone there by now. I got to get this right and attended one of the, first 20 games at the new rangers ballpark that has not opened yet that was supposed to have opened against the astros they were going to come down here and we were all going to be in the astros game together um we were supposed to the family was going to do a little trip and we probably would have gone to wisconsin for a week by now to help get my younger son moved none of that happened and so i think one of the things we have to realize is that every day is a gift from god and recognizing that God deals out our joy in the present, the now, and not brooding over how long we have to live, is in reality part of that. The gaming is an escape to get away from that, to where we can't take our mind off of it. But I think keeping our focus on God and that God is giving us the freedom and the choices to go and giving us the opportunity to move forward is the fantastic part of this and where it really wraps up because that's where we do find the true meaning as we go through it.
4: Robert, you put, you put a great part in, uh, in what you read there. I have the last couple of scriptures in Ecclesiastes 12 that wraps it up and it's very similar, only it's not quite as uh, thorough as what you read. Uh, the, The guy, Solomon's wrapping everything up and he says, being wise himself, the quester also taught others knowledge. He weighed, examined, and arranged many proverbs. And, of course, this is Solomon. The Solomon did his best to find the right words and write the plain truth. The words of the wise Protestant live well. They're like nails hammered home, holding life together. They're given by God, the one shepherd. But regarding anything beyond this, and again, folks, what Robert read to you was from the guy who wrote the first uh, the Ecclesiastes 1, which sounded like the guy was going to throw himself off a building and die. He turned around. He tied all this together in the part where Robert read and also in this last bit I'm finishing up. He says, but regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, go easy. There's no end to the publishing of books. Constant study wears you out, so you're no good for anything. So my last and final word to you is this. Fear God, and do what he commands you to do, or do what he tells you to do. And that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its hidden content, whether it's good or evil. So he takes 360 degrees, folks. He goes back to God at the end of Ecclesiastes and at the end of his life.
3: Very cool. That was fantastic. I like that.
1: <laughs> I,
4: I
3: have
1: nothing to add. Kyle, are you... <laughs> you know, Wanna uh, follow
3: that.
0: <laughs> you know, something Robert said was, you know, every day is a gift from God. I don't know if you use those exact words, but it was the words I wrote down right after what you said. It, it's
4: it, our life
0: will have turmoil, right? That's a given we know there's going to be trouble in this world. So, you know, I, I, this past weekend I went to a funeral for one of my second cousins and uh, she was 34 and she was with child and uh, we don't truly know what happened. They were doing an autopsy. I'm not in the inner circle. I'll probably never truly know myself, but You know, she was 34. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow, though, is my point. And when we go through those difficult circumstances and the trials that could be with our illustrious leader, Bill, you know, he's going to be laid up for a while. And that's gonna be very difficult. Uh, I spent five days in a hospital recently, five nights actually, um, for an accident that I had, and it, it drove me nuts. And Bill's that same guy. You know, he, he's an outgoing fellow, he, he, he needs to move, he needs to do, and this injury will be difficult on him, but I think the point of it is, is to look where maybe we can be a gift to others even within our own storm you know because uh, let's just say there's a national disaster that happens god forbid To, to any of us here we've had enough over the last uh you know however long um but you can have maybe lost your own home but still being there next trying to save your neighbors you know, and where you can be that gift to the others around you. And my last point is just to always have that forward thinking. Today will pass. Grace will be renewed in the morning.
1: Well, this has been the Man Up podcast. Uh, we've been discussing Ecclesiastes. We've been discussing... um you know, being stuck in a situation where, where things seem a little meaningless, a little, uh, un, you know, out of sorts. And so I want to thank the guys for their thoughts. I want to thank uh, Robert for your uh, your discussion. He, he was talking of a book called, uh, well, give me the title again and the author, just so I'm clear. And
3: Yeah. Reality is Broken by Jane McGonigal. Uh, and and is, as Mike said? I'd forgot Mike that. Yeah, she's got a couple of TED talks out there on this, and yeah. and some other. It, it's an interesting topic. It really is, and and it it does tie back to what we as faith believers have to walk day in and day out to kind of talk about and think through.
1: And we we hope uh, our our hour with you helps you a bit on that walk. That's that's where all we all are. Uh, we urge you, uh, even in the, this time of social distancing, to uh, find a church. Many churches, including ours, have weekly other weekly services on YouTube. Uh, South um, Sugarland Baptist Church has a YouTube channel. If you search that on YouTube, you'll find it. Uh, Where our service is at 9:45 on Sundays, uh, Central Time. But uh, your, your local church is probably doing the same thing. So uh, look into that and uh, study the Bible, study God's word, write us a comment if you're so moved. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and our own Facebook page, Man Up Spiritual Oasis, and our, our, own, our own webpage, manupspiritualoasis.com. So, uh, for the guys here, Mike, uh, Robert, and Kyle, and for Bill, who Bill. is laid up and recovering, get well soon, this is the Man Up Podcast. See you next week.
0: You've been listening to Man Up.
2: You bought and I bought
1: the truth. You can't handle the truth.
2: Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men.
4: If I were the man I was five years ago, I
1: take a flame through this
2: place! You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.